Hi, everyone. Welcome to IDSI podcast. I'm Gaia Lamperti, and today I'm joined by Ola Eyatayo, Berto FX co-founder and CEO. Hi, Ola. Hi, Gaia. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing very well. And, and thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. So, Ola, emerging markets are clearly increasingly joining the global marketplace, but there are still logistical challenges and payments are among these challenges. Would you tell us why so? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, maybe I should probably start um, with um, what we do at Verto to, to basically let the, the listeners know. Uh, so we're a cross-border payments platform for businesses. We help businesses access currencies and then make payments. Um, we've got a big focus on emerging markets. And, you know, primarily for the reasons that you mentioned, uh, we feel that um, there's a lot of digital um, challenges that have really tried to solve cross-border pain points for businesses in developed markets. But there's not a lot of options when you think about emerging markets. Um, they're pockets of um, innovation in uh, places such as Asia and uh, to a certain extent, Latin America. Uh, but when you think about, say, the Middle East and, and Africa, outside of traditional banks, it's really not that much innovation when it comes to cross-border payments. And um, that's predominantly due to a lot of factors. Um, some of it is the logistical pieces that you mentioned, and we could delve into, into them in more detail later. But yeah, uh, we do feel that there's, there's actually a lot to solve for in emerging markets, um, there's a lot of underserved businesses in these regions that really need a technology solution. Absolutely. If you would like maybe to explain us specifically how Vertifex works and what do peer-to-peer -peer currency exchanges are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we've done is we're London-based fintech. Uh, so we're licensed and regulated by the FCA here in the UK. Uh, this is where our base is. Uh, but we do, like I mentioned, a lot of work in emerging markets and we almost like tailor our services to um, each region. So if you think about places such as Africa, where most of the currency pairs are considered somewhat exotic and illiquid, you know, you don't necessarily see Kenyan shillings being traded against Israeli shekels, for example, right? That's a pretty exotic pair. What we've done is we've created a, a currency exchange marketplace. Effectively, what that means is that a business, say in Kenya, using that example, can come onto Verto, go through our sort of um, KYC and AML and get onboarded, and then effectively decide to sell its shillings to a business in Israel, right, who, who has Israeli shekels. And we effectively match them both as, you know, just peers, right? So businesses, you know, coming into a, an open marketplace to effectively exchange you know their currencies with each other and that way you don't need to go through sort of traditional rails which means that you know the pair that you're trying to exchange might be very liquid and might not be uh feasible and possible and it could also be very ex expensive to exchange uh, so that's what we created a, a currency marketplace uh, so it's essentially what it does is by directly matching businesses that require currencies uh, with each other and then most importantly, also helping them make the payments as well. So imagine if we are just in the middle as virtual as a central counterparty, both businesses can almost like send their local currencies to us. We see that both parties have made the payments and then we exchange. And, you know, if the guy in, in Kenya needs to pay, you know, someone in, in China or the US, we then help them make that payment as well. So it's an end-to-end -end sort of payment stack for businesses with a big focus on very, very, you know, underserved businesses that currently not been 
catered to by most big institutions and and sort of developed market um, fintechs as well. That's great. And in fact, I know that one of the core missions of VertFX was to, you know, enable better accessibility to the financial system. Would you like to expand on this and tell us how the company is achieving so? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, So there's always a lot of talk about financial inclusion. I think of financial inclusion in a very strong, you know, sense of economic empowerment. Um, so effectively, by using our service, if what we do is to help a business in an underserved um, regional country easily access um, global financial infrastructure, uh, what that might mean is, you know, rather than paying, you know, maybe the exorbitant sort of um, currency exchange rates or payment fees that it would possibly be paying, by helping that business lower that cost, um, we effectively help that business increase its bottom line, which could mean that it ends up, you know, hiring one more person because it saves so much money on, on payments and is able to actually turn around invoices much faster. And ultimately, you know, that additional job, you know, ultimately benefits the GDP or economy of the country that business is in. And it's it's like a, you know, it's a virtual cycle. And that's what that's where we mean by financial inclusion in terms of being our mission. It's, you know, we, we, we sort of say no business, leave no business behind, right? You know, effectively, every business, regardless of where they are in the world, should be able to operate on the, the same sort of level. And also where, what we're doing is we're lowering the barriers to them to be able to trade globally. And, you know, the best way to do that is just essentially help that business facilitate payments and trade in a very seamless fashion using technology. I was wondering how can startups like VertoFX guarantee such little or, or no fees uh, when it comes to transactions or exchanges? Yeah, sure. So it's a um, very simple answer. Uh, it, we, don't, we don't have, for example, you know, fancy you know, brick and mortar branches or executives, you know, getting paid high salaries and, and all of that stuff. Uh, we have a reasonably, you know, uh, low cost base. Uh, we use technology, which is very important as well. You know, software, as they say, is eating up the world. And there's a lot of lever you can get from using software that you don't really need sort of, you know, expensive um, human you know, manpower to, to do. So we are able to use technology and a very efficient cost base to obviously uh, have best in market sort of pricing. And we directly can pass that on to customers helping them save um, costs. Um, and that's a big sort of difference between us and um, say large sort of financial services, um, you know, incumbent. That makes sense. Customer first. And as we're talking about customers, would you like to tell me a bit more about your customer base, whether it's only B2B or if also you cater to C2C as well? Oh yeah, good question. So uh, essentially we only cater to businesses. Uh, so it is B2B. Uh, we do have some businesses that use us and ultimately, you know, maybe have consumers that are at the end of their transaction. So in that case, um, you know, you can say B2B to C, but fundamentally we, we only cater to businesses. Um, we've actually also got a, a wide spectrum of businesses. Um, so anything from small scale sort of businesses to medium enterprises to much larger sort of corporates as well say that about 40 to 50 percent of the user base are small 
um, small scale businesses and then the rest are medium and, and sort of larger corporates. So we do cater to, you know, different segments. Um, and how do you tailor those services to each kind of business? Yeah, sure. Good questions. So so that that's where the product and technology come in. For a larger business, for example, it might need um, sort of multiple users of their account um, and not just one person, right? Because they could have four or five people in their finance team that want to use the platform. Um, we sort of solve for that. Also, at the moment, we're actually developing um, um, our API, which would allow larger enterprises just integrate with us and don't need to obviously log into our, uh, our web portal to make their transactions. So that's how we cater for you know larger you know and, and corporate um, type customers. And then on the on the flip side with the smaller enterprises, you know we do have a very personalized tailored experience. Um, so when you join Virto as a small business, for example, you always have an account manager. Um, you know we understand that some people might not be too familiar with the technology or the platform. We, you know, go out of a way to get them someone to do a demo of the platform and run them through how it works. You don't necessarily get that with other fintechs because, you know, um, sometimes you're just speaking to a bot. Um, so that's sort of like, you know, another way that we, we sort of tailor our services. We personalize it in a way that, you know, either small businesses or larger enterprises are able to conveniently use us. Awesome. In terms of regions, what are the areas that your services cover and are there any areas that are under your radar at the moment? Yeah, sure. So so we actually, um, we look at sort of regions in a very unique way. Um, at the moment, we have 39 currencies that we offer on our platform for exchanges. Um, we can also make payments to, you know, pretty much, you know, most countries in the world. Um, you know, that are sort of, you can make payments from a regulatory perspective. What that means is uh, we're able to service businesses. At the, at the moment, we can originate from about 35 countries, uh, mostly through um, either our regulatory licenses or uh, partnerships that we have in those countries. And we have a big focus on, on Africa, for example, where we do a lot of last mile delivery. Um, so basically, if you're a business in the UK or the US or even in, in Europe, and you want to send money to Africa, it's not that easy, right? It does take a lot of time. Um, you know, there's a lot of regulatory sort of um, constraints and we're solving for that last mile, being able to be best in class in helping those businesses, you know, make payments in, in, in the continent. The other thing we're working on in terms of geographical expansion is originating from more countries on the continent. We, we have um, a six-month plan to get into two more countries in, in Africa. I wouldn't name them, but um, we're working hard on that. So in terms of geographical expansion, it is helping to originate from the continent is a, is a big um, focus for us. Nice. And in terms of currencies expansion, are you by any chance thinking about including digital currencies as well in your services? Now, very good question. So, I mean, it's um, it's an interesting conversation. Um, we we come from a place where we think that obviously digital currencies are here to stay. Uh, we're big fans of stable coins, for example. We we think that for some of the more sort of illiquid currencies or regions where there's not much liquidity, um, having a stable coin where you can bridge your local currency to a foreign one, you know, it's very very helpful. Um, you see a lot of that, for example, in, in Nigeria, where there's a lot of activity and people using Tether, trading out of the, the Naira, which is the local currency. So we're big fans of stable coins. We, we do think that because of our sort of um, regulatory position, um, it, it's not as easy to put on uh, a cryptocurrency, for example, in, into the, our sort of our currency stack. Uh, but we're you know always happy to be where innovation is. Uh, we think fundamentally uh, there will be a lot of digital currencies and digital assets when it comes to currencies and, and payments in the future. 
And you also have a lot of um, even regulators and, and sort of countries launching their own sort of digital currencies. So it just shows that, you know, it is, a, you know, it's here to stay. And obviously, as innovators, we're always going to make sure that we're, we're ahead of the curve. Great. And what would you think are Berto's effects, but more in general, all the exchange platforms opportunities? Which kind of opportunities are they opening specifically in, in emerging markets? Yeah, sure. Good question. So there's a very funny thing that happened where COVID hit. There was actually, obviously, as everyone is now aware, a shift to digital um, so it accelerated the use case for anything digital where, you know, people that weren't so comfortable, you know, maybe using platforms such as Zoom, um, you know, suddenly understand how it works and, you know, comfortably using it. And we think of that as the same when it comes to, you know, payments as well, and, and especially cross-border payments. You know, you did have, um, you know, businesses that might have been somewhat skeptical to maybe interacting with just the technology interface to move money to their suppliers abroad, all of a sudden becoming more comfortable with, you know, interacting with with a digital interface to move money. Um, so we think that there's positive sort of tailwinds from um, the shift to digital. And also, especially when it comes to emerging markets, it's funny because, you know, when you think about a place like Kenya with Inpesa, which is, you know, sort of mobile money payments, uh, which is really sort of super innovative and has been something that, you know, they've had for such a long period of time. Or Nigeria with uh, instant payments, um, you know, the banking system is sort of linked in a way that you can make payments instantly. And they've had that for probably about five to 10 years now. You do find that there's a lot of innovation coming from emerging markets, especially payment innovation. And most of that is because of just, the, quite frankly, the logistical challenge and ecosystem forcing people to sort of adapt and do things in an innovative fashion. For us, you know, with a big sort of uh, being bullish on emerging markets and big focus on payments in that space, it's all sort of positive. And we do think that as well as the world becomes more homogeneous, so people are comfortably trading with you know folks that they've never met before in a different region of the world right so if you look at uh we looked at the trade between africa and china over a 16 year period and it increased by about a thousand six hundred percent um and the same period uh, trade between Africa and the USA increased just by 300%. So it just shows that emerging markets are, you know, trading with more within uh, each other a lot more. Um, and that's also very positive and brings up a lot of opportunities. Uh, so we're super bullish on, on emerging markets. We're super bullish on, on payments. And we're also super bullish on the world continuing to trade um, seamlessly in a digital fashion as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ola. Thanks, Gaia. Thanks for having me.